Now, we've been doing a, a talk series um, in our church where we've been looking at uh, the, some spiritual disciplines. Now, it, it may seem a bit odd that we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines, things that... See, disciplines are things that you do that, that help you to understand, help you to, to, to do a particular um, function or live a particular way. Not many people like discipline, do you? How many people love a good bit of discipline? Nobody here. That's good. Well, is that you love it or do you like dishing it out? <laughs> I think a lot of people love dishing out discipline. Not, not everybody loves receiving But it's about self-discipline here. And we're going to be talking about um, two spiritual disciplines called solitude and service. But what I want you to do is just, just understand for a moment, we've called this series Beyond Good Intentions. Because often what happens is when it comes to, to doing things that will help us, such as spiritual disciplines or even doing a diet or whatever it might be, that we often have really good intentions about doing the right thing, but often we don't carry through with that. We have great intentions, but we don't carry it through. So we've called this series Beyond Good Intentions, which is to actually go beyond it and actually do the things that we're talking about. So I just want to briefly recap what our 12 spiritual disciplines are, and they are prayer and meditation, and they'll be up on the screen for you, prayer and meditation, fasting and study. Now, those first four spiritual disciplines are what's known as internal spiritual disciplines. We do them within ourselves. The next set of four, which is simplicity and forgiveness and submission Solitude and service, and we're going to be talking about solitude and service today, are outward spiritual disciplines, things that we do outwards to, towards other people, but we still do them. And then our last four, which is celebration and worship, confession and guidance, are spiritual disciplines we do together with other people. So you can see we've got four that are internal, four that are external, outwards focused, and four that are community orientated. So we're going to be doing things on today about solitude and about service. Now, how many, and you know, mums amongst you here, I want to ask how many of you ever get a time in your life when you are alone? I can hear the, I can hear the heads shaking no. Anybody get time by themselves completely alone? Solitude, solitude is that, that, that point in time when you've taken yourself away and you're in your, without anybody else, solo, away from everybody. So hands up who's had a moment of solitude. Okay, we've got, we've got a few. Okay, fantastic. That's good. How many people are so caught up in the rush of the world that you never get any time to yourself, you never get any space? At least somebody's honest here. Yep, a couple of people are honest. And uh, look, I can see you're holding kids. I, I once heard that the, the one place that you, you try and get at least a bit of alone time is in the bathroom. Doesn't always happen, but yes. But what I want to do is talk more beyond that. I want to go a bit further than that. I want to talk about actually creating a space for yourself where you can actually have a time where you can reflect and meditate upon life 
and upon God and what God has done. It's create a space where you can have some solitude. It's an important spiritual discipline to, to cut off all of the things around the world and create a time when you spend that time with God. I just want to give you a little bit of history why it's so important. See, Jesus actually spent... We often thought, think Jesus went around with his disciples and around the place and, and talked with everybody, but he had moments when he had solitude, when he went off all by himself. The beginning of his ministry, he spent 40 days in solitude. Before he actually called the disciples, he was by himself. When he received the, the sad news that his cousin, John the Baptist, was killed, he went off and had solitude. He went off by himself. After he spent all this time with people, feeding the 5,000, he went and had time by himself. I don't know. Has anybody... How many people are introverts here? I'm an introvert. I'm a really big introvert. I, I, I'm with, I, I go and do things with people, but then after I've done that, I've gone, enough, I want my own time, my own space. Go away, everybody. Anybody ever equate with that? Okay, there's, there's a couple of people. So everybody else is extroverts. You all love being with people. Is that right? Fantastic. Goodness, there's a world full, you know, a whole church full of extroverts here and only a couple of introverts that are going, I'm here, I'm with all these people and I don't want to be noticed. So here we are. See, I'm like that. I'm an introvert. I don't really, I, I, I get out and I be with people, but I love my own time. I love my own space. I get, I kind of get joy out of being by myself. So this one should be okay for me, shouldn't it? The spiritual discipline of solitude, because if I like my own time and space. Even before Jesus' trial, arrest, and crucifixion, Jesus spent time praying by himself. It's really important that we understand how to get that moment of solitude. And I want to say that there's actually something really important about creating solitude. And it's actually having solitude and silence. See, solitude and silence helps us. How many people think that there's noise always happening around you? The TV's on, the radio's on. How many people turn their phones off every day? I've got one person that switches their phone off. Are you okay? You know, that, that's a fantastic thing because how many, anybody else ever switch their phone off? Okay? When you're at home? So nobody can call you. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, an amazing move because in the world now, we're so connected, we've got so much noise and information coming in that we just never have a moment when there is silence. And it's actually something really important that we need to do is to be able to create that space when we can be alone and silent to listen to God's voice within our lives. And that's what this spiritual discipline of solitude will allow us to do. To, what we need to be able to do is just to create those spaces. It might actually be within a family life. You know, if you're, you, and, and I'm going to speak to the mums here just for a moment. It might be the thing you need to create is you need to create, say, a, a time and a space, a chair somewhere where, where you can actually say to the rest of the family, you know, when, when dad's home or whatever it is, that I'm going to have a little bit of me time. 
and a little bit of time when it's quiet by myself and I'm just going to spend it with God. And you're going to look after the kids. You're going to take charge of this. Am I putting all the blokes just in a really bad position right now? I, d I don't want to do that, but it's really important to have that alone solitude time to refresh yourself. Because interestingly enough, when we actually refresh ourselves, some of the benefits of solitude is that we can actually get closer to God by not actually being busy all the time and having things there. We can actually spend time with our Lord and Maker and we can get closer. But it also gives us another benefit. It actually gives us a benefit that we actually can get closer to the people around us. That that separation, when you're not constantly with other people, allows you to increase in love and concern and compassion for those around you. There's a very famous Christian author and Christian mystic called Thomas Merton, and he talked about this whole process about removing himself from community, everything else, having a moment of solitude so that he could have greater love and compassion for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think it's the same for us. When you do have that break, when you have that moments of solitude in your life, you can come back more refreshed once you've had that. So that's, that's the spiritual discipline of solitude. I said we're going to be focusing on two different spiritual difference, uh, disciplines. The first one, solitude, and the second one, and, and that's an outward one, and the second one's another outward one, which is called service, the spiritual discipline of service. And we often think that doing good deeds is what Christians are all about. You know, so many times I, I, I actually have people come up to me, especially when they come up and they go, I want something from you. Generally, it's I want your car park, or I want money, or I want food, or I, want, I, I just want to do something, but I don't want to give anything back. And they often will say to me, well, Christians, they're just meant to do, you know, isn't the church just meant to do stuff for people? It's a really funny thing. You know, to be thought that that's all Christians do. That's all the church does. It's just to do things for other things. We do. The church does do service for those in need. You know, this church actually gives away food every week to the homeless and the needy. This church actually gives those meals, helps those individuals. And we don't ask anything in return from those people. We graciously give it. And so that's an act of service, an act of kindness. But the thing is, when we come to this discipline of of service, we need to be careful because spiritual disciplines are about growing closer to God, not about the act of actually doing it. So it's not about the act of coming into solitude. It's not about the act of doing service. It's about the heart that is behind it and following through with that. So when we come to this point of doing a spiritual discipline of service, it's really hollow if we just do service for the act of doing it. We just do service because that's what's expected of us. We do it because we love God and that we want to know Jesus through the act of service that we do. And that's one of the important things that we need to understand about our doing the spiritual discipline of service is that we get to know Jesus through this act of service. Jesus 
on the night that he was betrayed before that, I'm going to read a little bit of scripture to you. He's coming together with his disciples and he's about to share a religious festival called the Passover. And it goes like this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the... Well, actually, he's talking... I've got it completely... He's talking about um, how the sheep and the goats are going to be separated. He's talking to his close disciples, his close friends. He will separate the people one from another as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you were blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom have prepared for you since the creation of all the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Notice this is really important because we actually get to know Christ and actually do service for Christ when we do service for others. So that spiritual discipline of saying, I'm going to do this not because I have to, but because I'm doing it because I see Christ, Jesus Christ in my brothers and sisters, in the people around me, and I want to be able to come closer to Christ. It's It's an important distinction for us to understand that. We become more like Christ in doing this. Christ himself, on the night that he was betrayed, he was having this Passover meal with his his disciples. And what he did is he got down on his hands and feet and he washed his disciples' feet. And they didn't understand, they didn't comprehend that. Because back in the day, when you came into a person's house, one of the servants, and probably one of the most lowly servants, would come and wash your feet so that they were clean. You know, we, we didn't used to walk around in, in the kind of shoes that we have now. It might have been sandals, might have been bare feet. And you might think, well, you know, they didn't have asphalt and roads and pavings and concrete. You had dirt. And the really big thing is that they didn't have sewers back in the day when they're talking about this. This is pretty gross. The sewers were the streets. And as you were walking around in your everyday life, you were walking, isn't it? (laughs) You were walking through all of the crap from everybody, from the animals and from the people. And so to come into a house, they would wash your feet. It's actually pretty good hygiene, it's pretty clean, but it's not the particularly nicest of things to do. We think, you know, washing somebody's feet, the toe jam and all that yucky stuff when you do that. But think of it with an encrusted layer of filth from the world around you. Would you want to do that? And here is Jesus. He comes and he does that for his disciples. It's normally related, normally given to the lowest servant because it's a dirty, horrible job. But Jesus takes himself from the position of authority and power and says, I do this for you as a service because that's 
who I am. And that's the kind of spiritual discipline that we are wanting to emulate. The ability to say, I'm going to take myself from my privileged position, put myself into Jesus' shoes, and go and wash the feet of another person. It may not be literal for us, but just getting out there and doing something for somebody else is really important. So, but sometimes we think all that we could need to do is something big, but it's not always the case. Sometimes the best thing is to do something small, to do the service of the small things. And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to share with you, and I'm going to get Josh to put up on the screen the service of small things for you. And I thought, not the reading. <laughs> Come back. So that's it, the service of small things. These are some things that you can do that will actually be a service to others. And these are small things, not huge things, but often they make such a really big thing. One of the things that we can do is to guard the reputation of other people, not to gossip, not to bitch and moan, not to carry on about people. It's actually doing a service to those people if you don't do that. You guard the reputation of the other. Have you ever been to somebody's house? The next one's kind of a bit strange. You can be of service by being served. Have you ever been to somebody's house and you offer to help and the person goes, no, 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 don't do that. You're never allowed to do that. Have you ever had that kind of happen to you? Because I've, I've had that. Sometimes it's really important if somebody wants to help you to let them help you. That's actually called the service of being served. To actually allow that person to have value and worth by giving you something and you gratefully receiving it. It's actually a really important thing. It's something that we often don't do so well. And then there's the, the service of actually common courtesy. Of actually saying thank you, please. And especially, you know, especially if you go out to a restaurant or anything like that. Treat the, the waiters and the waitresses with respect. It's an important thing. It's an important principle. We, we can actually do those services of small things within your family. Show respect for, you know, and that's probably more for kids than for parents, but, you know, show respect for those who have done work throughout the week and the day to make food on your table, to keep your clothes clean, to do all those things. It's common courtesy. There's a service of hospitality, opening up your house to family, friends and strangers and giving service that way. And there's a service of listening. You know, to, the art of actually listening and actually listening to a person and what they're saying and being quiet while you're doing that and offering your full attention to that person, that's an amazing gift you can give somebody, especially if they have problems or they're concerned or upset about something. That, that service of listening is so important. And finally, the, the service of sharing the word of life, which is sharing the, the good news of Jesus Christ. It is such a blessing that we can go and do that ourselves and such an important thing to be able to share that with all of the world. I just want to share with you a little quote from Richard Foster who is writing about these spiritual disciplines. And he says this, service that is duty motivates death. So doing things because you are required to do it does not bring life to you. But service that flows out of your inner person 
of your joy and hope of coming closer to Christ brings life, it brings joy and it brings peace. So let us in ourselves be open to these spiritual disciplines that I've been talking about today, about solitude and about service. And may they be a blessing to your life. So let us just pray. Our gracious, loving God, today you've done an amazing thing for us. In the baptism of Riley, you showed that your great love knows no bounds and can welcome a child like Riley into your midst. And we celebrate and we rejoice in that. Lord, we also pray for us today, each and every one of us. We come with many things behind us. We come with concerns and problems. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be upon us. And if the Lord is leading you, follow with me in this prayer. My gracious Lord, I give my life to you for your service, for all that you do. My life is not my own anymore. It is yours, Lord. You died on the cross for me, and I accept that, Lord. You're the Lord of all the universe. I rejoice of that, Lord. May you lead us. May you be my Lord and Saviour. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.